Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. And boy, you don't get much prestigious, much more prestigious than this. We're going to be talking about the 1997 dramedy about the porn industry moving from the 1970s to the 1980s. It's Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Of course, uh, it was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, We've podcasted previous films of his, The Master, Phantom Thread, Magnolia, I think that's the limit of our catalog. I know I've seen a bunch more. I think I've seen all of his uh, movies at this point, except for his first one. We we did There Will Be Blood, right? I'm pretty sure. Oh, shit. That's Paul Thomas Anderson, too. Get- yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild that the guy that made Punch Drunk Love and this made There mm-hmm. Will Be Blood. And The Phantom Thread, for that matter. Uh, it stars Mark Wahlberg. Uh, you might have seen him in The Happening. It also stars Julianne Moore. We've seen her in The Big Lebowski, Magnolia, Children of Men, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Again, I think we've got podcasts for every one of those. Burt Reynolds, Legend of the Silver Screen, Deliverance, Smokey and the Band at the Longest Yard, Don Cheadle, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, he's War Machine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's also in Hotel Rwanda. John C. Riley, what a role. Magnolia, Chicago, Gangs of New York, William H. Macy, Got famous from Fargo. Also seen Magnolia. A lot of, a lot of Magnolia going around mm-hmm. here. Philip Baker Hall's in this too. Yeah, yeah. Heather Graham uh, from Swingers and Austin Powers the Second. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great, also in the Master, the talented Mr. Ripley, almost famous. Tons of movies. We've got all those on podcast. Luis Guzman from Out of Sight, Traffic, Carlitos Way, Robert Downey Sr., which I wouldn't have like. You know, it's like okay. But he's Robert Downey Sr. He's Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. Who's he playing uh, this? He plays Bert, the the record producer. That like, oh, you can okay. kind of see it, right? The, in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know when they got Roger Sterling playing Robert Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s father in the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. it's kind of inspired casting. Now that I've seen what the senior looks like. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Alfred Molina. Dr. Mm-hmm. Octopus, a.k.a. Doc Ock. He shows up in an insane role. Uh, and then you got some real-life people. Professional magician Ricky Jay as the porn cinematographer, who's a hoot. And Nina Hartley, real-life adult film legend and advocate, sex advocate, is uh, poor William H. Macy's husband. I'm sorry, wife. I got to conf- confuse, like... <laughs> Like whose dick went in whose ass? Uh, when <laughs> William H Macy, <laughs> whose ass William H Macy? Cock if you're literally translating, yeah, yeah, I love it when uh, the characters do Aaron shit. It's like ah, yes, mm, yeah, I, I'm that. I can. I, I've been. I've been that guy. Um, what do you think of this film? Have you seen this film before? And uh, what do you think of it? There are moments while watching this where I felt like I had seen this before. Um, but boy, long, long stretches of this movie felt completely unfamiliar. So I don't think I've seen it. I think I've seen some like big standout scenes from this movie just somewhere. Um, oh, I mean, it's so, I think, culturally irrelevant, especially like in the couple years that immediately after its release. Yeah, so I want to say I had seen the full Alfred Molina scene, probably because I was such a big fan of Thomas Jane in the expanse and and somebody probably linked it to me and said hey you need to check okay. this out if you like thomas jane because he shows up out of nowhere and just kind of blows my mind <sighs> yeah uh, same and, oh and, i should have put yeah thomas Molina jane is amazing movie. yeah so so i i felt i don't know like i had seen this before but i have not uh to my recollection 
but this I is... was. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But but I was really impressed by this movie and surprised by it. I guess I didn't expect it to be as much of a comedy as it ended up being. I thought it was going to be a more in-depth look at the porn industry from from the serious angle. Uh, uh, two, and two and a half hour, the deuce. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Uh, but it's not. Boy, um, it gets to places like that toward the end. But the first half of this movie is all comedy. And, and it took me a while to settle into it to understand what it was because I'm looking at this kid going, hmm, okay, what's kind of bad situation is he in? You know, he's going to get sucked in by this porn producer, taken advantage of, chewed up and spit out. But, man, it's really with the stuff with William H. Macy and, and, and John C. Riley and all that stuff is just hilarious toward the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so- I don't know. It threw me off. I have seen this movie exactly once I saw it around somewhere in between 2008, 2010. And because like it did Bill Simmons, who I used to listen to his podcast all the time, just wouldn't doesn't shut up about this movie. It's one of the big culture, the wire, this, uh, you know, a few others big cultural touchstones for him. So I finally watched it and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this is a wildly entertaining film. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely forgot how wildly dark it gets. Yeah. Uh, at some points um, where it's like I it's a man I'm like did I forget that this ended in like Requiem for a Dream kind of territory that's exactly and, what I was thinking and then the film takes a detour takes an off ramp which I I, I I think is a fascinating aspect of Paul Thomas Anderson's some of his work um, okay but it is like all like all it's it's very funny and then it's like black humor and then it's like oh god this is like one notch beyond like pulp fiction levels of just lunacy Uh and it feels scary and dangerous you know um it's uh, to sex what you know requiem is to drugs yeah at some points in this movie it's crazy it's hard to it is kind of hard to believe that the guy that shot the master made this film um and i was i was looking intentionally because like you know when you watch um rushmore mm-hmm. you know you can see what where wes anderson is going to go as he gets millions of dollars worth of budget like his sure. predilections for framing and uh camera motion all that stuff i found it a lot harder to kind of identify the paul Tam- thomas anderson like dna fingerprints in this movie um because yeah. it's so mannered, it feels like it's consciously doing shots from other movies. Like he's doing these like really showy wonders. He's doing these like uh, long monologues in the mirrors. But it's you know, so, so it, but it's it's not that it's derivative. It just feels like um, you know, like a dead mouse type of deal. You know, like a, just a, just a real remix visual hmm. style. Okay, yeah, I it, and it's not like his most polished work for sure or his most like manicured work i'd say like th- there's a lot of, of kind of whiskers in this movie that are like hey eh, why'd you put that in there that that doesn't really work like th- there's there's a lot of stuff early on in this movie that really threw me off a the comedy i wasn't expecting it but b i think the beginning is kind of rough it doesn't really kick off for me until i i think eddie leaves his family and that's where like things start to really mm-hmm. click in this movie Um, It's like when Luke Skywalker leaves the moisture farm, you know? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's on his hero's journey. Uh, Right. He's heeding the call. uh He's got his lightsaber. Yeah, it's just like he throws in shots of like sausages grilling 
on the stove for breakfast. Just they're like non sequiturs, but they're they're like of a piece of the movie, but not really. They're not saying anything, right? They're just in there because it's a dick joke. Yeah, sausages in a pan are dicks. Yeah, it's. I mean, they say how they they saw how they split that sausage skin at the tip. <laughs> sure. I, you know, they yeah. they saw how that was frying up. So I I don't know. The beginning of this movie doesn't work as well for me as like everything after he essentially goes into full into the life of porn is just great but the beginning is a little rough well it's like yeah because the setup and it's 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 yeah my nah, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna save some of this stuff till the end of the film because we gotta we, we i don't want to keep get it spoiler free i yeah. want to keep things spoiler free rather uh soundtrack 10 out of 10 great it's of the yeah. era it's uh super appropriate um it's light and breezy and then like when it gets dark and disturbing there's like this uh, droning almost terminator uh james cameron terminator aspect of the the soundtrack when we get into some of those thomas jane scenes that you're talking about later uh i thought that it's Mm -hmm. consistently an interesting film to look at and really well mixed too like there's a couple like diner quiet diner scenes where I noticed that like they really did a lot in the mix where it felt like I was in a diner, you know, the you know, I could hear people's forks and stuff scraping. I thought the sound design is really pretty good on this film. Mm-hmm. And their licensed music is good, too. I mean, Doc Ock is right. Sister Christian is a is a banger. <laughs> Love that song. Yep. Yep. Got to wait for the drop. Mm hmm. Uh. <laughs> This Jim, I tell you the I have the overwhelming urge to watch Saturday Night Fever next time. Okay, like after. I was thirty seconds into like thirty seconds after I wrote in my notes, hey, can, I need to ask Jim, can we do Saturday Night Fever next? Someone said the words Saturday Night Beaver. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's Kismet. Like, <laughs> have, have you seen Saturday Night Fever? I have. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've never. Did you know that that's uh, Gene Siskel's favorite film? his favorite film it's something that was like an interesting thing that i that is it was his personal favorite film he loved watching it um i've never seen it i kind of it can we just like pull an audible in the next prestige film we do after we clear out the the uh yeah executive producers can we we, we've done enough films for them it's time for us to do one for ourselves or i guess Uh, myself (laughs) yeah and i'll try not to make comparisons between John Travolta and Dirk Diggler, but it's going to be pretty much impossible. Yeah, because I haven't seen it, but like I, what I have seen, I have seen some stretches and it's like there is a lot of like uh, Travolta is fair to say he's kind of simple minded in that film or at least naive. Yeah, yeah he he's a Jersey Shore type, I'd say, yeah. except in the disco era. Yeah, yeah. What what type of guy is Dirk Diggler? I, so, so that was very confusing to me at the beginning of this movie that that would kind of lead perfectly into a discussion of the beginning of this film. Do we want to you want to do a synopsis and then we can talk about the beginning? OK. All right. Let's do that. Uh, Boogie Nights is about a young man named Eddie uh, who has been endowed by the per- a perfect penis. Apparently, uh, it is striking to all the witnesses and they treat it like. The shark in Jaws. It's always lurking under the surface, never seen. It needs its own. <laughs> okay. It needs its own theme, you know. Da, da, da. Uh, he is. Uh, he he is. Uh, he grew up in Hollywood, I think, and he's trying to make something of himself. And he's noticed by an adult film producer, Burt Reynolds, who says, "Kid, you got the makings of a star. The making of a star." 
and uh, he is whisked away at the age of 17 <clears throat> uh, to a world of adult video stardom. Uh, and, you know, you guys, I, I assume we're all adults here and we've seen a couple 70s, 80s era porn type of things. Uh, there's there's, there's going to be a lot of sleaze, going to be a lot of drugs, going to be a lot of uh, adulteration of the form. Pardon my pun. Uh, lots of twists and turns for old Dirk and his diggler. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim, you wanted to transition to the intro, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to say people treat this, people treat Dirk Diggler's penis like Indiana Jones treats the Ark of the Covenant in in this movie. Uh (laughs) He's in awe of its majesty, and he thinks it belongs in a museum. No, the... It's a constant delight, the reaction Uh shots from men and women when they get hit with it for the first first time. Like Burt Reynolds. Uh Yeah. Burt Reynolds just st- like just adores something off camera for thirty seconds. It's incredible. My absolute favorite reaction is Ricky Jay because he's behind the camera at the moment he sees it for the first time, and he has to peek out from behind the camera just to just to make sure the camera is showing him reality in that moment. Yeah, it's like Dad filming <laughs> the Grand the Grand Canyon. Like at some point, you gotta like look for your own eyes. You know, uh-huh, is it real? Uh-huh. Jesus. Also, the Colonel has an amazing reaction to it the first time, but. <sighs> Yeah, so funny. Uh, so, so the beginning of this movie, like I said, it, it threw me a little bit because uh, I, I think the setup here is strange. I would expect some of this stuff to come in a different order. Like I would expect to see his home life and why he's out here at this club, bussing tables, wash, washing dishes, uh, instead of at home, like the good boy that he kind of seems to be at the beginning of this movie. That there's a, a real. Uh, contrast between what the movie wants me to think he is and what he actually is and I felt like they they fill that in a little bit too late for me and it, it's why the movie starts to work better once he leaves the the uh, his home because it just yeah. it, the things he's saying to Burt Reynolds and the way he's acting with Burt Reynolds in the beginning of this movie don't line up with I think who he wants to be He he's playing it like he's a shy country boy first time in the big city, but he's actually out there once you get to know him trying to make his way into stardom. Yeah. He's like trying to play this, um, kind of night. That, that's the, so I remember and thinking, I couldn't tell if it was an act or not. That's the, so I, I remember my enduring memory of Dirk is that he's just a deeply stupid man. He uh, is that, but yeah. as I was watching this film, I forgot how young he was. Like when he starts to film, he is, he's underaged. And he is dropped out of high school and he has been beat down emotionally by his mother. He might just be like mm-hmm. emotionally stunted and wretchedly naive because there's a couple points in the film True. where it seems like he's got a sense of like style and taste and he's got he's got a flair for writing. Like he comes up with like these characters and stuff. And I mean, it's it's. <laughs> It's, it's porn industry, right? Sell that, everybody. It's 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 porn. It's not yeah, it's yeah. not Miami. It's Miami Vice of porn. What would the Miami Vice of porn be called? It would be called uh, Miami Penice. I don't know. I'd, <laughs> I, I, I don't sure. got it. Uh, I'm not. I don't got. I don't got the Dirk Diggler gift. I can't name things like no. that. But he's got that. And it's like I wonder had the coke not gotten in the way. Mommy Vice? Mommy Vice. That's Mommy Vice. It. There you go. And you throw in Julianne Moore, so you got that weird mm-hmm. Oedipus thing going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. That he's like, I'm not. 
is he stupid? Is he naive? Is he did did, did and just as he was kind of like you know like who if you're around a lot of 16, 17, 18 year olds, they just say stupid shit all the time. And it doesn't mean they're stupid. They just, you know, they're just, they're just all trying shit out all the time. They don't know what works. And I'm like, is it authentically? But the thing is, is also Marky Mark looks like a 17 year old in the exact same way that like Jimmy Stewart looked like a 23 year old <laughs> in rear window, i.e. Uh-huh. not fucking at all. This guy does not read as a 17 year old. So it's like, it seems like he's playing stupid. It seems like he's Forrest Gump, even though I think gotcha. he's just supposed to be an idiot, an idiot 17 year old. Yeah, I, he's definitely playing it stupider than look, Mark Wahlberg. I, I don't know how smart he is in real life. I've never met the man, but he seems to be playing a real idiot in this movie intentionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the movie wants me to think he's stupid. Like when he comes up with the name Dirk Diggler, that whole scene, he just comes across as an idiot. Right, just Does like he? I see it. I see it in lights. I mean, he, he's an idiot with a vision, but he's an idiot nonetheless. Like, <laughs> dude, I guess I because like I think the movie was like this guy is an this guy is like a savant, maybe an idiot savant, but like he's got a he's got a a gift for this sexual stuff. He's got an eye he, for he it. He might be physically gifted. I don't think he's a cock. I don't for it. think he's mentally gifted. I. No, I would know. Okay, I, just, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, sure. It's it's look. I'm I'm looking down on uh, some of the storylines of porn and some of the the style of porn in the 70s. Sure, mm-hmm. when I say this, but I I think that there's a certain amount of like cheese that comes with that. Yeah. That that oh, I don't think yeah. Dirk Diggler. I, I don't think Eddie is aware that he's bringing to it. I think he thinks this is the coolest thing ever. And uh, when he, you know, flops around trying to act like James Bond, but looks more like an idiot, that's him doing his best. And it's not nearly good enough. What do you right? think the about The only thing he's gifted in is sex. He, he's really good at that. I The thing is, is like, I think you're supposed to think that he is amongst the best adult actors there are. Like, no, yes, he's not anywhere near. He's not like even David Hasselhoff on Knight Rider quality. Uh-huh. But like, he is something that kind of leaps off the state. But that's it. The thing that's fundamentally silly about this film is something that I saw, saw Roger Ebert touch on. And I think that's also gets to the heart of like maybe Burt Reynolds regret about this movie is that the pornography industry ever since it like argued itself into existence under free speech, you know, artistic concerns um, has been in a race to the bottom like I've never mm-hmm. seen any other type of genre do. It's like, um, like, like Hollywood keeps on getting like bigger and better and bigger budget and like the small stuff. But like porn is just like to the point where now it's like a webcam and two people on a mattress and they're just fucking, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they go into that a little bit with the transition to the eighties and like gonzo shooting yeah. and, and the the vhs revolution and all that stuff yeah yeah and how like it's at one point dirk's like you know he, he's uh rejecting the more violent trends he's seeing in the cheaper things like ah smacking women and calling them ugly names that's not sexy that's not this and then like you know 30 minutes later he's gonna have a gun to a woman's head while she's blowing it's but i it's it's I don't know. I can't think of any other industry that's like been in such a circle of like eating its own tail and it continually slashing. But because like, honestly, at the end of the day, I think that's what most people want from porn. They don't need the story. They don't need 15 guys lighting it. They don't need they just they want 
they need like 45 seconds of this shit and they're done uh again there's exceptions I'm sure there's a lot of people like the plot I'm sure there's a lot of people who like uh you know they get to know the characters and <laughs> sure, you know sure. believable settings and all that kind of stuff hey but obviously the fucking market is speaking and it's it's just it's just gutter trash it's like mm-hmm. if it, it it's like if everything was like the walking dead and then it just mm-hmm. kept getting worse and worse and worse and there was never any like you know like like flashes of brilliance in fact like everyone talks about deep throat <laughs> okay you know, everyone's talking about deep throat I, I, I thought you were about to go with start to develop some kind of grand thesis about amc and pornography and i was gonna go right along with no, you because i think there's a parallel i've uh, look i've gone on a journey with pornography in my life um and like you remember we talking to deuce we're talking about like how this is so bad and exploited women as like well you know it's it's interesting in nowadays that like not only are women owning production companies but like most increasing a lot of women are directly producing porn you know you go on mm-hmm. the, the only fans and mini vids and all that stuff and it's like you're putting there's no pimps there's no middlemen there's no there's no uh, mountains of drugs it's just money into women and men's pockets and like that is going to lead to a better but it's no it's still all shit it's still all shit it's what the fuck you know (laughs) we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back with more Bald Move. Well, where's the incentive? Like, that, that's what I'm getting at with the, the AMC stuff. Like, where is the incentive to up the production values, to give people something more than exactly what they want? And exactly what they want when they're watching porn is something that'll get them off. That's it. That's it. They don't need a story. They don't need high production values, nothing. It, they're just, they're there for one reason. If you can fulfill that need, that is it. You've done your job. Yeah, that's a, there's a, gr- a really interesting interview that I read between Roger Ebert and Paul Thomas Anderson where they talk about that, that like that is the limiting factor with pornography, mm-hmm. that like a limit. If you make it one iota better, it's not going to be pornography anymore. It's going to be a, a great film with a hot sex scene in it. But right. like if it's all right. centered on like you got to get five scenes and this you got to go from position A, B, C, pop here, you know, like that is just. You know, it's like it's like trying to make a great trying to think about it. I I don't know, because like people have made great karate films and they've made great superhero (laughs) films. They've made great like what is this thing? This is something we all fucking do. It's it's primal to the human experience. Why can't great pornography be made? Because that's what I was going to say. Like, even if you look at the history of like Deep Throat, that's like the high water mark. That's a shitty film. That's a terrible film. Come on. I've never Uh, seen it. The, the 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 70s and 80s stuff is not my forte gotta say uh it's a weird era but it's it's yeah. respectable because like like that's the, the, the i feel like guys like burt reynolds could say with a straight face i want to make good pornography if mm-hmm. we make good pornography people they were like he's as naive as dirk is at the beginning of this movie he thinks that he can get it and he takes all these principled artistic stands and yeah all, the interesting thing is his his movies are winning Dirk awards, but I get the feeling that the movies are not the thing. It's Dirk. Like Dirk himself 
is the thing winning the the adult video awards mm. the the movies are not you know he he can get like an award for being in a movie but the movie itself is not what's winning awards he is yeah you'd for, think for that they if they wanted to penis if you if they if they want to suggest otherwise they could have showed Bert getting because they exactly it yeah. felt like they were hinting at some kind of rivalry or resentment but they mm-hmm. never quite filmed the Bert side of it yeah and I think that's kind of a smart idea it makes it feel like it's all coming from Mark Wahlberg's end from yeah. from Dirk's end like he's blowing this stuff out of proportion and he's doing it for reasons of insecurity right like the one thing he's got is this magnificent penis and anytime his the rest of his life is challenged he kind of falls on his face he's not he's not equipped no pun intended to deal with the, the other stuff yeah and i that's the thing it's like um every time he tried to do the quote unquote other stuff it always seemed like it was in some kind of drug haze so it's like mm-hmm. i don't know that he it's, it's a contrast to like Don Cheadle's character who is kind of in the same kind of morass and the, the same kind of like uh, spirals and whatnot, but he's able to like escape that life in that orbit um, with, yeah, a, with, a big, with a big help. But like, I, I think the difference is that you never, never showed him conspicuously doing drugs, but I don't know. Cause like, no. I also wonder at the closing of this film, did he really launch a successful with that commercial superstore? Yeah, Bucks to super stereo, whatever. I have some wild theories about the end of this film. I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about them quite yet, though. Uh, yeah, I have some questions about it too. Um, I don't know. The thing about Buck is, yeah, he's he's very similar to to Dirk, right? Like they're portraying a certain kind of person that gets into this life. Reed is not the smartest hmm. man alive. He's he's clearly like kind of a doofus. He's very. Uh, he, he likes to compare himself to other people a lot. Um, he he is, seems to be jealous or envious at times, although they don't take that nearly as far as I expected when yeah. Dirk starts to get the limelight. They just become buddies. That was weird. Um, uh-huh. it, it And, you know, he's like, it, he's living a life, and it, it seems like a fun life while it lasts, <laughs> but boy, I don't think it's going to last that long. Uh, but Buck's the same way. Buck's kind of an idiot, you know? He is trying to sell this stereo to this guy in one scene and he's dressed in a cowboy outfit because that's just like his flavor of the week outfit um he t- turns on country music to show off the stereo scares the guy off because because a who wants to hear country music to test out a stereo and b he's going for hard sell and he doesn't know his shit right he's talking about quads in a quad the, oh there are at least three i don't know four more quads in that stereo what does that fucking mean dude i think he used the word technical uh four times in two sentences uh uh-huh. because he was kind of like oh i don't want to get too technical because these are technical terms and yeah yeah he's yeah. An he's a bullshitter he's and he tries to fly straight but i don't see him succeeding because he's kind of dumb too all of these characters are just so strange they're yeah. so peculiar, but they also seem authentically because that's the thing I've, uh, you know, especially in the Kazaa era, uh, you might see some 70s porn, some retro porn. Uh, it looked like an interesting cast of characters like John Holmes, uh, the early uh, Ron Jeremy. Like these yeah. are not like um, 
I, I don't know. It's like it, it seems like the women have always been beautiful and porn, but like guys being like conventionally handsome and jacked and in good shape seems to be an innovation in the last decade or so, from what I can mm-hmm. tell. Um, but they're like they're cast perfectly. Like John C. Riley, I've never seen him this in shape, but he's still John mm-hmm. fucking C. Riley, and he looks like a dude in the seventies porno. Uh, <laughs> everybody, like, uh, oh man, uh, even um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, plays such an interesting character that's so in love with Dirk that, but like in it, in it, like the way like a teenage girl is, there's like lovesick over him, uh, yeah. beats himself up. Ah, they're just no, so I, peculiar, all of them. Yeah, I love the breadth of this movie. They they show a lot of different aspects of the porn industry, and they don't. I feel like they don't come out and say all of it. They just kind of let you intuit it. Um, like, what are these people's backgrounds, right? How are they? Like, look how Roller Girl is relating to Amber. It's it's a fucking weird, like you said, Oedipus thing. It's it it gets real weird, and we never explore her background really, but we get a lot of information get just a from hint, like yeah. yeah, her current life, how how that must have gone, right? And the kind of lives yeah. that lead people to this place, and not always. I'm not saying it's like oh yeah, damage or broken people are the only ones that do porn. No. But in her case, it definitely seems to be the case. Yeah. And it's the, especially back in the day before I think porn is becoming more and more accepted. It feels like mm-hmm. even though there's like a countercurrent to that where people are like actually pornography is super bad for you and you shouldn't be nothing in November, all that kind of stuff. But oh, it, back in the day, it's like, yeah, it probably did attract people who, you know, I mean, that's, it seems to be portrayed. Deuce, the deuce is a little bit more you know, I think realistic, but yeah, it seemed to prey mm-hmm. on women who are either wanting to be independent in this like sex, po- you know, increasingly sex positive world. And they would get like snatched up and get involved in drugs or women who had no other options or a lot of times in the seventies, women who were trafficked and were kind of doing this uh, for the pimps and whatnot. Um, it's a, uh... and the thing is, is I guess the movie feels like a really san like it's weird to say it's sanitized because, mm-hmm. It definitely has its dark moments, but you never see that. You definitely see people like fucking themselves over with drugs. Like there's, it's almost played as comedy. Oh, like yeah. this one guy sobbing. He's like, "What the hell's wrong with you? This is the second girl that's OD'd on me in the two days." Oh my god, yeah. You know, it's like this, but that's the thing. It's like these people are all in ludicrous, and they're in situations that are insane. But I found like these real moments of humanity and empathy, where it's like you know, Paul Thomas, or I'm sorry, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, crying in his, uh, I don't know, what what the hell was that? Uh, Nissan, you know, he's just made his big pass at Dirk and it's failed. Uh, and he's just incriminating himself and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like feeling overwhelmed over it. There's like a lot of things that were super relatable. And in another interview, I saw Paul Thomas Anderson mentioned that that's something that he found attractive about the porn industry. It's like you go onto a set as a filmmaker, a real porno set. And it's like, holy shit, this is crazy stuff. There's dildos, and there's naked people. And it's like, but once you get over that initial shock, it's like, it's kind of wild how it's just a movie production. There's a guy yeah, in the camera. Totally. There's people blocking stuff. There's people saying, hey, is that working for you? Is it working for me? Uh, there's lights. You know, there's just, you know, instead of makeup, you're applying lube. And it's, and I feel like that's kind of like, it's, it's, it's recognizably, like like your conventional Hollywood rags to riches story, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it's yeah, just got I, this like one little twist on it. 
No, I see very little difference. I mean, all of the same emotions that these people are experiencing can be experienced with their clothes on, essentially, just working in, in regular Hollywood, right? Like the, the, the idea that you're going to be jealous of the up and comer, um, no, no, no puns intended. Come on, I, I'm going to say "come" a lot in this, and I promise I will never say it in a sexual way. But you're going to take it that way every time I say it. I know it. Anyway, the up and comers, the the people uh, who are come on the come up, uh, yeah, you get jealous of them, right? If you're if you're aging out of your roles, um, you know. And, and Dirk Diggler seems to be doing that at like 19, but that's a little weird. Uh, it, and and just like per- performance anxiety, right? Oh fuck, I I have to get out here and I have to do this thing that comes completely unnaturally to me. I don't know if I have it in me. I I, I got to do this this one last time, and maybe maybe this will be the role that I break out. You know, it's it's there's a lot of the same energy in Hollywood that there is in porn. It's just people do it with their clothes on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I imagine a lot of damaged and broken people are attracted to the same thing for the same reasons in Hollywood. It's just, like I said, with the clothes on. It's this weird parallel universe. Um, like it's like a, it's almost like a science fiction yeah. novel. It's like it's like, you know, a civilization. It's 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 United States, uh-huh. except for the Confederates won the Civil War. It's 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 Hollywood, except for everyone's got their clothes off. It's <laughs> it. <laughs> It's so it's so weird, but they they get I think they get away with that because they do issue the fact that there's like mafia. Well, they don't they don't they, they I think mafia is definitely involved in making these films. It's just like there's no problems. They're just like a, a bank. They're just like a bank, you know, and yeah, there aren't any yeah. pimps and there aren't any. But the it's so it's funny because this is a very funny film that has like all these sad things that are kind of creeping in at the margins. Like, uh, you know, you're in the middle of this the most fun house party you've ever seen. And like the music is good and everybody's having a good time and nobody's had too much coke yet. And there's nobody's waving guns around. Um, but like a phone call comes and like someone's looking for Marsha. I can't find Marsha. And they hang up. It's like, ah, oh, it's some kid looking for his mom. Like, oh, mm-hmm. OK. And then like, yeah, the constant ODs like, it's, you know, again, it's a party. It's like the music's up. And then there's like a, you got to dispose of this fucking corpse. But it's like. It's it feels like it, it, it's I don't know, like a gangster film where that 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 margin kept on creeping in, creeping in, creeping in till like it was forcing the movie to go to like a conventional Goodfellas, you know, uh-huh. like there's going to be this tragic end. But for whatever reason, the misery, instead of constricting at the, and choking it, just completely releases at the end. Yeah, I, I actually don't like the end of this movie. I think it's untrue to the rest of the film. Um, I, I, I think like. Look, the shot of Mark Wahlberg's penis penis is genius and it makes yes. this movie at the end, but it also puts a, a a positive upbeat note on the ending of what is a tragic story and, and still fundamentally tragic. If you look at what's happening here, this is a man repeating patterns that, that brought him to the depths of despair. This is not going to end well for this guy. He's still pep talking his dick before he gets on camera. He's back to where he was, but what has changed? What has changed? I mean, I, I don't see the that he's smaller, gone through any personal more, growth. Yeah, it's, it's going to get grosser and grosser. Now he's the, older. Uh, I mean, because like, the, and then you, like the other thing is like you're about to go through the AIDS, you know, uh, crisis epidemic. Sure. Uh, and if you know, because like this guy's loosely based on the career of John Holmes, and if you know anything yeah. about that, that ends in tragedy too. So, the, but the hmm. thing is, is uh, 
my hot theory is I think everyone dies. I think Don Cheadle dies in that diner. I think Marky Mark. <laughs> I think I think Dirk Diggler dies oh, in that shootout. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Heather Graham dies of an overdose with her, you know, Julianne Moore. Oh everyone, everyone, everyone's dead, and this is like heaven because <laughs> I don't see how wished. I don't yeah, I don't see how anything else can work out, and it makes me because the thing hmm. is is like. I, I well, as I saw this going down, I'm like, this is so weird because it's it's so much like licorice pizza. You know, if you haven't seen licorice pizza, um, hmm. the core of that's a problematic relationship between a 15 year old boy and a 27 year old woman, maybe 28 year old woman. And that plays uh, like Paul Thomas Anderson. It's like, OK, I'm not going to judge. This is just a relationship happening. And you're like, as an audience, like, ah, Jesus Christ. Ah, ooh, ah. But you think that the, the film's going to end on some sane level. But it doesn't. At the end of the film, they run back in each other's arms and there's like fireworks going off. And it's like, this is this is the good and just and right thing. That's horrifying. If I was Mm -hmm. that child's father, I would be getting a gun uh, if the restraining orders hadn't worked. But like and I started thinking, it's like, is Paul Thomas Anderson just is he do that for a skit where it's like like or is he do that for like a some kind of um, artistic flourish where he sets up a scenario where nothing good can happen? And then his shtick is that he just pulls the ripcord at the very end and everyone, you know, comes to a soft landing. Or do I need to watch Licorice Pizza? And it turns out that, like, the Haim girl slit her wrists and the boy blew his head off and also they're in heaven? Because that would make uh-huh. that movie make sense, too. Uh, I don't I don't know. I, don't, I, I want to watch it again with this theory fresh in mind because I think it kind of cleanly tracks. Huh. Every one I mean, of these people have a near-death scary experience uh-huh. where they're not looking good and they miraculously survive. Yeah. I don't know. Might be onto something. Um, I will say the the scenes with Heather Graham, I think, were the most affecting there at the <sighs> end for me. Like, when I realized who this guy was, Dude. I was like, oh, fuck. Same. I, I, I just... Yeah, yeah, they really play that as just a very intense moment for her, and mm-hmm. I, I felt it. That was scary, uh, and it fucked up. I mean, that's when I was like, okay, this is to sex what requiem is to drugs. This is going to turn out bad for everyone. Uh, it, it, you know, th- this, this kids, if you want a reason not to do heroin, watch requiem. If you want a reason not to get into porn, watch this. <laughs> uh, but, but then you're right. It turns, it turns a weird corner. Uh, into upbeat, positive territory, like aspirational. Uh, yeah, it's it's strange. It's strange at the end. Yeah, I just don't know how everybody gets out of it because, like, how is uh, how is Burt Reynolds producing films without the Colonel? Mm-hmm. You know, like everything keeps going. It's like everything comes to what should be a terrible, terrible end, but then just yeah, everything just bounces like a one of those rubber hard rubber balls you get at Showbiz Pizza. It's like. Yeah, it's 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 improbable. I wonder if they did die. The more I'm thinking about it, this is seeming like very airtight, man. Sure. Yeah, they died when when Doc Ock unloaded his shotguns at him. Yeah. Uh, Dirk Dirk died. Reed died. Yeah. We talked about that, that scene. I love that scene. That that's the most pulp fictiony <laughs> scene in this entire movie, and boy, it works. And it came out after Pulp Fiction. Uh huh. When did um, 
Quentin Tarantino's was it Wild at Heart? Because they have that Gary Oldman scene that reminds me. It's like there's a whole bunch of these just crazy hmm. drug deal go wrong scenes in movies uh, that all seem to like feed into each other, influence each other. But this might be my new, uh, you know, my my new favorite. Yeah, it's uh, great. Just there's so much subtle building of tension, just in how like. You know, Thomas Jane's like got this idea that's harebrained and it's like you've got a million problems with it uh, that you can point just by, you know, like, look at this shit. Uh, and it and probably goes right in this. You know, Alfred Molina seems like a really friendly guy, but there's this Chinese kid mm-hmm. like I think I, child, like 14 I years old, maybe tough to and tell. He's, yeah, he's not wearing pants and he's just throwing firecrackers in the house and no one notices. And then mm-hmm. John C. Riley sees the guy's gun and, and you know, he goes back and takes it. looks like he's starting to test the stuff. And, you know, it's just all big. And it's just everything that the fucking firecrackers and the soundtrack and Alfred Molina, like naked dancing in a robe being unhinged. And he gets the gun. It's like Hitchcockian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, down to like minute details. When, when Alfred Molina says, oh, yeah, I make mixtapes. Uh, this is mixtape number 11. And then the, the tape turns off and they show a close up of it and it's number six. You're like, oh, this guy is too high to know anything right now. This is dangerous, right? Uh-huh. Like it's uh-huh. more dangerous than I even realize. And then when he pulls out that uh, golden Casper or uh, Caster Troy gun, that's it just goes very wrong. And there's a moment in there where I'm like, OK, what is happening here? Because Mark Wahlberg is just kind of looking it, it, at the tape. I forget what he's looking at. He's looking at something very intensely and he's got this idea in his head that the movie never spells out, but he's, he's thinking deeply about something and it lingers. The camera just lingers on him for a good 20, 30 seconds and he says nothing. Yeah. And, and like, is he just gone in the head from the drugs? Because at first, like he's panicked and scared, but then he starts smiling. Like, I, I think, and then he goes back into, you know, his his scared, oh, my God, mm-hmm. what's happening here face. Mm-hmm. I I think what is going through his head there in that moment is he's daydreaming that he could take everybody in this room out with his Bruce Lee karate Kung shit. Kung fu skills. Oh, my God. And I then think that's he, what's going through his head. Then he like sobers back up like, you know, yeah, like he's roll- yeah. he's essentially rolling. Oh. Uh-huh. You know, that's the thing. It's like. I've never been well. Uh, God, Marky Mark, he's he's up and he's down in films. He's a complicated guy, but mm-hmm. he does some kind of like that's a really if that's what he's doing, that's a pretty sophisticated performance. It's not and bad, yeah. and I also really enjoyed. We talked about like whether it's an actor, how much self awareness, like him, the sex faces he's pulling off. These are like vintage. <laughs> 70s 80s sex faces oh yeah and he's right. like yeah like that they, there's a couple like mon they do so like this uh his rise montage and there's a bunch of him you know his his uh you know i'm not even fucking gonna do it uh this is a podcast i'm <laughs> a still podcast. not no, going to make tell. my face look this way um <laughs> i yeah i i feel like that there's you have to be you have to have a good amount of self-awareness to do like the, the way julianne moore plays a bad actress yeah in this movie yeah where she's sliding across is like well i think you've got the job but i'm gonna have to check something and she's what is it's like 
yes, that's a huge cock. And she's just playing this flat <laughs> kind of weird porn actress. But then she also like when she loses her custody case against a child, she shows that she's an Oscar winning. I, uh, it's like Mark Mark is doing Mark Wahlberg has got a similar gear where it takes a certain amount of sophistication to pull off being mm-hmm. this bad, this good, and yet I, still I nailing the dramatic stuff. Yeah, I I don't think he's a bad actor. I mean, he's clearly a good enough actor to make it in Hollywood for 25, 30 years, whatever. Um, he's not my favorite actor, and I don't think he's got as much range or nuance as a lot of other actors. But yeah, he's not bad. Probably comes down to like the director too. Like, can sure. you can you get the most out of his instrument? You, you know the instrument I didn't appreciate in this movie, but everyone fucking seemed to because he got nominated for an Academy Award. Burt Reynolds. <gasps> I thought Burt Reynolds was doing a serviceable performance here. Nothing, sh- nothing to see. Just kind of like, okay, he turned in an acting uh, part. That was it. He was there to he was there to do his role and he did it. I did not see anything special in this performance, but the Academy apparently did. No, I mean I I I disagree. I I think he was the perfect fit of the role and actor for this movie and it surprised the hell out of me to find out how much he did not like this film and this role. Um I mean mm, what, what did yeah. it work cuz like to me like Burt Reynolds is a respected actor. You know, like, and I'm like Burt, because like, you know, I grew up Burt Reynolds, like dimly being aware of him being smoking the bandit and acting with monkeys and just being this just stupid guy and the memes off of Jeopardy. And you go watch him in Deliverance, like, holy shit, this guy can do some fucking acting, right? Sure. Um, but then he just did like this, all this schmaltz and schlees, and he's just kind of like the sleazy guy. He looks like a sleazy guy. And at this stage in his career, I just felt like him being a pornographer with aspirations like delusions of grandeur just was perfect and some of the subtle stuff he did like again he did a 20 second reaction shot to Dirk's dick uh the way he just kind of like all the action swirls around him like he's the like the, the godfather or something I, I thought he was amazing but maybe it's just because other than deliverance I haven't seen him in anything that's like really amazing so I don't know I, I just I appreciated yeah he was doing a serviceable job but he didn't seem special to me. Hmm. Maybe it's more a stunt, just like Burt Reynolds doing something straight and serious and kind of making it work. But uh, I really, I thought, yeah. I thought he did great. In fact, I don't think there's a weak link in this entire sure. cast. Like everyone is absolutely amazing. Um, William H Macy. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. You know what? Maybe everyone dies at that point. They never made the transition sure. to the 80s. William H. Mm-hmm. Macy just got a bullet for everyone at that party and just was, didn't stop shooting. There's a fade to black. I don't know. I got to find it. There's a point where everyone in this movie dies. That's that's where the movie shifts gears. And totally. the, I, yeah. it feels like it's going to go for the terminal velocity and it just never, never quite get there. But he's amazing. Yeah. He's one. He's one of the funniest parts in the movie. He's also one of the darkest. Uh, who haven't we talked about a lot? Pretty much everybody. Um, haven't talked about Heather Graham much. Uh, I, I mean, a come on, it's it's Heather Graham, right? She's she's made for this part, like Roller Girl. I I find it absolutely hilarious that she does not take off her skates the entire movie. 
She really doesn't, man. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we ever get her real name either. Like we get uh, Amber's real name. We, you know, start off knowing uh, Dirk's real name. We get everybody's real name except for her. She's just roller girl the entire time. She's she's playing like what people think of porn stars, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they they hint that she's got a lot of kind of damage and 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 trauma and you know disadvantage yeah. in her. Like she's like the female equivalent of Dirk and um. Even in school, she's kinda... got roller skates. That's what? Even in school, she wears her roller skates. Yeah, yeah, she's really committed to the bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really good at being kind of like this ditzy, comedic, you know, porn star. It's like exuberant about sex, and she's got, you know, obviously it's Heather Graham. She's got an amazing body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's like, I don't know, it's... A kid, she's supposed to be 17 in these scenes. Uh, yeah, because she's also in high school and drops out. And uh, the kind of unspoken thing is, yeah, two of these main porn actors are, as best I can tell, underage when they start uh, shooting. Yeah, and I'm like, so, so I wouldn't have thought this before. Um, but like, after I've seen Licorice Pizza, I I do wonder about this with Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm not accusing him of being a predator, but he's there's a lot of movies fixate with these um, adults preying on children on on non legal adults and um, excusing it. You know, like Julianne Moore. Like I think you're supposed to see Julianne Moore and Burt Reynolds as like father parental figures, and they show the awful like parents. Um, Cause yeah, Dirk's Dirk's uh, mom is a real piece of work, oh and God, she really it. abuses the hell out of him emotionally. And the really tough scene is her his the dad sitting in the upstairs, just like listening to it and not doing anything. You know, so like, um, but you're supposed to, I think, feel good about the relationship. Like maybe you get like squicked out about the drugs and stuff. And that's the other thing is I read so many contemporary reviews of this movie, and nobody mentions anything about. The fact that these were kids exploited and he got licorice pizza. Um, I read that Paul Thomas Anderson wrote this movie when he was 17 based on a biography of like uh, John Holmes that he'd seen. He did like this mm. mock, uh, mockumentary kind of like a walk hard for Jane. Uh, and the, that the 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 kernel of that turned into Boogie Nights 10 years later. He did this at 27. Holy shit. Mm. Didn't go to film school. It's incredible. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. His, his, his story is wild. Um, but like was maybe he was like sexualized super early. Uh, it's possible. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't uh, look people make movies about things that have no relation to their real life or their own proclivities all the time, all the time. It's true. So I, I don't want to say anything about the man. I, I will note that also he portrays one uh, person, the colonel in this movie as an uh, attracted to underage women and it does not work out for him. And then there is no semblance no, of like, doesn't. oh, this this is okay. It's it's not even that he doesn't address it because he, he really doesn't address it when it comes to Dirk or to uh, Roller Girl. Hmm. He he just like lets you realize, okay, these are underage people, but they the movie never talks about it. That's mm-hmm. the only time this movie talks about the underage thing and it is condemned in this movie, I think. No, it's, 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 it's super interesting. Yeah. Cause I actually have that in my notes to talk about it. It's interesting because so like the point of that scene is Burt Reynolds, like it's okay. Okay. 17, uh, 15, clearly a wrong thing to do. 
which, uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. You shouldn't <laughs> fuck 15 year olds for sure. For sure. Right. Probably shouldn't probably controversial opinion. Probably shouldn't put 17 year olds in pornos either. Um, yeah. But in Licorice Pizza, he the 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 protagonist that the twenty eight year olds uh, having this inappropriate relationship with is fifteen. <laughs> so like, if I take the same condemnation from this movie into uh, Miss Hames' role, yeah. then I think I would condemn her. But the movie certainly doesn't. So that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's mm-hmm. weird. And what's what's weird to me is like I feel like nobody again. You read contemporary reviews of Licorice Pizza, no one says anything about that. You know, it's oh, always says, oh, weird. it's a wonderful coming of age. And oh, this boy. And it's like, oh, he's such a, you know, this and that. And he's got this. And it's like, yeah, but he's also 15. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm sure, being an I, idiot. Well, I mean, if that if the genders were reversed there, I imagine a lot of people, a lot more people would be talking about it. Um, but I, I I don't know. I don't know. Because because it's like, it's like be, maybe if, I, I want to say there also has to be room to tell stories of young people fucking up in their love lives right yes. because love young people do have love lives it's it's gonna happen like young people have sex young people uh act like adults from time to time in ways that we probably wouldn't want them to or probably ill-advised but and you got to be able to tell those stories it's just yeah i don't, I don't know what what are you saying about that i guess is yeah the and that's the thing problem. it's like um remember rushville treat t- t- deals with them with the exact same material Oh, and yeah. I remember thinking yeah. as I was watching that, like similarly, like, oh, my God, how are they going to handle this? Because this is a wildly inappropriate relationship. Well, Olivia Williams, the adult in that, handles it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I'm saying that, like, even if Olivia Williams is like, you know, fucking Jason Schwartzman when he's 16 or whatever. I'm not even saying that's an invalid thing. I'm not saying you can't make Lolita. You can't do this or that. Right, right. Clearly, Paul Thomas Anderson thinks because he's got Heather Graham in heart-shaped sunglasses. So the comparison is there. I'm not saying you can't do that for artistic. I'm just saying that, like, it should... You shouldn't walk away from a movie thinking, like, boy, that's a heartwarming relationship. Oh, (laughs) boy. That Haim girl and that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Gandolfini's boy. Ah, what a match made in heaven. I hope those kids are well. You should think, Jesus Christ, I just watched a, a, a emotional train wreck or I just watched a skilled pilot land something on the Hudson and like handle such a situation so tactfully. And But like these movies are just like, nah, it's just it's just a thing. And it, it again, everything is heading towards disaster, but just just pulls mm-hmm. up in the last minute. And smooth sailing. It's a wild thing. And and I do think you're right. If if the genders were swapped, it would certainly be discussed. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. Well, let me ask you this: Does does the movie maybe say something without actually saying? It? Because a lot of places in this movie feel like they're saying something by just showing you the situation and letting you. kind of realize that this is this is a bad situation is it saying something that the colonel who is jack's friend has been arrested for child pornography Mm -hmm. um essentially or well he's arrested because the girl he's with is 15 she ods the cops find out and it's a bad situation Mm -hmm. um and, and he is forced to grapple maybe in that scene with his own abuse of young children or young adults um, is it is part of the reason he is so distraught by this news 
that he realizes he's been doing the same thing just to a slightly older uh, group of kids. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Can I? It doesn't play that way. Because to me, what it plays like Almost. is Burt Reynolds, who does regularly film 17-year-olds having sex and, and, and engages probably sex with them himself, is trying to talk himself into the fact that the colonel fucking a 15-year-old that maybe he didn't know, maybe he did... Is it that big? He's like, he's like trying to weigh, like, am I a real fucking creep if I keep this guy in my life as my best friend? And I think he's about mm-hmm. to talk himself into it. And then the colonel's uh-huh. like, but they found me with those pictures and they're just so adorable when they're that lit. And it's like, now nah. it's like, okay, who, what the fuck? But like, yeah, you know, I, it wasn't like, oh my God, what have I done? I've been preying on children my whole life. It's more like, oh no, I am. Maybe you could talk me into fifteen year old who who hasn't been in a room where there's been a whole bunch of undocumented minors and who knows but like babies I, I don't know it, it's it's fucked it's fucked uh, yeah yeah and that's the best scene for Burt Reynolds I think he he's kind of great in that one scene at least um, yeah his reaction his his like devastation to the realization that he's friends with a man who is now. I, I mean, this is going to taint him, right? You can't, you can't yeah. be that close of friends with somebody who's that bad a person, and and a not realize it, but b come out of it like unscathed. Uh, this is on his reputation too, and I think that's part of why he's so uh, saddened to hear it. He mm. he's also like, yeah, there's a nuanced thing at the very end where the colonel's asking, like, are, just tell me you're my friend. Are you my friend? Just tell me you're my friend. And at the very end, like, he he hangs up the phone. He looks down at the table. You can tell he's just completely wrecked. But he nods. He very Almost imperceptibly, he nods to this guy. Yeah, I'm still your friend. It's And I don't. I don't know exactly what to think about that, but it's... But he's not, because I because the, the text is he walks out and never sees that prison. guy again. Yeah, yeah he's, this guy's in prison. He doesn't get bailed out. He's he's he's, he's so, so is he just giving this guy what the, the one last request? That that's it. Like, I felt like it was it was uh, they were showing a weakness of uh, Burt Reynolds there. The like he couldn't his even, willingness even to as forgive. He knows, so that when Dirk Diggler comes back later and says, "I'm sorry for being a huge asshole," he's and oh, and I didn't even think of that. I didn't think because that's like I think a human thing to do. To but like totally, uh, yeah. more of like I know this guy is reprehensible, but I can't even like I can't even say it to his face. You know, gotcha. Like I'm too big of a I'm too big of a coward to like go against this guy. But maybe I don't know. That makes sense. Um, or or he was friends with this guy for a long time, and he yeah. doesn't want to kick him when he's down. Yeah, I don't know, and that's the thing. It's like I, yeah, I, I don't want to belabor this point. I already feel like I've already belabored it, but like you know, the sad truth is, like when we talk about society being different, a lot of the reason that is is because of our, and I say our men's attitudes towards this, because we do a lot of like fantasizing ourselves about like how awesome it would be if we were you know fifteen year old Gandolfini's son getting you know, fucked by the Haim girl and she's so hot and adult and like, um, but it's like, it's all like massive cope because it, it just seems like, even though that's the story we tell ourselves, like if you look at any children in those situations, it's always terribly damaging to them. But like sure, we perpetuate sure. that it's like super cool and hot. So like, eh, I don't know. I, it's just, it's just wild to me that I 
figured that there would be when when licorice pizza was only came out like two three years ago there'd be a lot more commentary than obviously i wasn't expecting much for boogie nights but sure zero actually zero um so after bringing the podcast down uh we should pull a paul thomas anderson and pull it right okay. back out uh and talk yeah. about the stuff that uh <laughs> do you want to talk about the like the any the, any like just random points or stuff you want to talk about oh i mean there are a thousand jokes in the beginning of this movie that i love um i won't talk about them all but that that fuck up from uh william h macy is pretty great it just the whole the whole situation of Bill is hilarious. Yeah. Every time he he goes searching for his wife, he finds her fucking some other dude, and at one point he finds her in the driveway, fucking a guy, and there is just a bunch of other guys standing around watching, and then he he, <laughs> Ricky J comes up to him and is like, "Hey, yeah, we got to talk about the the photography for tomorrow. Like, I'm worried we're not going to get the lighting we need. Whatever." And he's like, "I am." <laughs> <laughs> my wife my fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the, f- the photography of the film we're shooting tomorrow it's it's a colossal fuck up in a line but it's perfect it's, it's perfect because so he's not it, in the headspace to, to even realize what he's saying right he doesn't care he's yeah it's so good and especially funny because it's in again the context of a porno that this guy uh-huh. you know he's like uh, a true believer like bird it's like uh, the, his line about like uh you know, I just think every film should have its own distinctive like look and feel. Like he's mm-hmm. he, he's really sweating, and they're talking about natural light. Like he's going to be pulling a uh, Stanley Kubrick and and uh, lighting by candlelight or whatever. It's it's yeah. uh, it's just really these guys doing this on ten thousand dollar budgets just really tickled me. And the contrast between William H Macy, but also like what is William H Macy's deal? I didn't understand his I, I feel like he might have married a porn star and not realized that they would still be a was, porn star really. I don't think she I don't think she's shooting a film in that moment that's she's the thing I, that, that's, guy. Yeah. She, so she's retired and now she's married to producer and she but she still likes having I sex I think so I think uh, so it feels like they should have worked this out they should have worked this out by some kind of agreement instead of like shedding blood but Sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they could have just gotten a divorce. I, he he's just too. I I don't know. You you see this right? Like he's he's too much of a coward to do anything about it until yeah. it just boils over and then it's too late. Here's an interesting topic for conversation. Mm-hmm. What is the podcasting equivalent of shooting on film? And when I say that, it's like, you know, like there's the, in the pornographers mm. here, like Burt Reynolds, like just throws this hissy fit in 1979. It's like, I, God damn it. I want to make beautiful pornography for beautiful people. And it's got to be shot on film. And this video stuff is cheap and sleazy and shooting, shooting a first in film on tape. Like, ah, it's stupid. And then, he, you know, gradually comes mm-hmm. around because at the end of the day, it's the exact same fucking thing. It's a different medium. And I feel like I've seen this before where, like, you know, even up to 10 years ago, there's big Hollywood directors like Super Clutch and Pearls about the death of film and going all digital and all this other stuff. But yeah. it's like still like, come on, settle down, guys. You're making movies. They're just they're not on emulsion. They're now on pixels. What's the podcast equivalent where if someone came to you right now and said, hey, Jim, future podcasting's moving here. And it's a mm-hmm. clearly related, obvious next step. And you'd be like, fucking 
no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, hey, Ron, I hate to tell you, but we're already doing it. This is it. You're listening to it right now. It's it used to be the, the Boogie the Nights critics, podcast. It used to be the critics like Roger Ebert, Siskel, uh, Gene Siskel. You'd, you'd have Leonard Malton out there. All, all these people doing highbrow work, talking mm-hmm. about important films. We're fucking talking about the latest Avengers movie and yucking it up. We have no honest, we, we have no insightful commentary to add. We are it. <laughs> we are the VHS gonzo shoot of podcasting, my friend. That's true. It's pretty lo-fi. It's pretty lo-fi. Just just shitty lights, a shitty camera, uh, shitty minimal, minimal film crew. criticism. Yeah. We're not getting ten thousand dollars to shoot here. Not even close. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I was it's weird though. Like, what, what 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 would that be though? Like what minor really podcasting started that way, right? Like that, that's the thing. It started with the Gonzo stuff. It started with somebody in their garage, like right next to their their HVAC system with a condenser microphone that picked up every single click and pop and hum in the room. Sure. And they were talking about what they ate for lunch for mm-hmm. 15 minutes at the beginning of the podcast. And then maybe they'd get to something relevant. The only way up, the only way for podcasting forward is up. Like it's, it's got to get more classy. It's got to get better. We, we've seen it happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get a little bit more money in the mix. You start having, audio dramas produced you start having real production teams uh making actual scripted shows things like that yeah we're 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 on the way up is art the only thing that isn't a race to the bottom in like a modern society where like everything else like if you get a reputable brand that's known for buy it to life the thing that always happens it gets bought out by a bigger conglomerate Mm -hmm. they start cutting costs they start cutting corners and suddenly uh, you got you got boots that used to last twenty years now last six months. Uh, they're same price and everything just gets shittier and shittier. But art, I mean, I guess there's some people to be like, oh, we used to have Mozart and Bach, and now we've got wet ass pussy. And I mm. think those people are stupid because uh, they were making shit music back in Mozart's and Bach's. And I think wet ass pussy is pretty. It's it's a it's a fucking jam. Oh but, yeah, it's the Mozart of our time. But like, right. there is like it's there's always great art. You know, and there's always low art. There's always like people pushing to be like, I, art seems to be the one kind of industry that never has this relentless pull. Well, maybe it does have the relentless pull to be cheaper, faster, but it somehow is able to escape that gravity on a regular basis and do something amazing and thought provoking and unique. Still, fucking hundreds, you know, over 100 years after they start putting film and having to move around, they're still doing novel shit about the human that's wild how 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 yeah, is how is it the exception logically um financially yeah they're pushing limits but i i don't know i mean i look at you know the movies that are being made and i'm not like well those are some of the greatest films of all time um being made no at least not regularly sure they come out one one or two a year well how many like, oh yeah those out. are significant I mean, look, Marvel puts out more movies in a year than great films that are made in a year. Well, wasn't and that true all the just... time? There's always like shitty cowboy movies and shitty gangster movies and, you know, but there's always like the transcendent ones yeah. too. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, part of what keeps the industry honest is the awards, frankly. Like, you you have actual film critics, you have actual people with taste um, and knowledge in the the industry and the genre 
saying what is good and what is bad. And without that, I think you're left to what public opinion. And we know what the public opinion does. It goes for the mass appeal stuff. Cause obviously, I'm, wow. Cause I, I guess I wouldn't defend uh, award shows as the bastions of creative. Well, it's not the show. There's itself, something. Right? It's, 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 it's the, the committee that that's put together to, to judge these things. That's uh, like when you get to the, the, the sectors of like, the criticism or the critic industry that are actually concerned with what is good and what is bad as opposed to what makes money or what appeals to people. That's, that's where you have like, they're like holding the wall, holding the line. I feel like it's a, it's a complex mix between the industry's criticism of itself and the public's acceptance of that. Cause ultimately at the end of the day, it's like no matter how many Oscars something gets, if uh, nobody goes to see, it doesn't make any money. That shit's not going to, you know, get a foothold in the popular culture. And it's like the opposite of, um, you know, speaking about these, because there's like several scenes of the adult video awards going on here. And like that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, who really gives a fuck? Like the adult video awards are is it seems sure. like it's exclusively for people in the industry because nobody like I. Has there ever been someone's like browsing a quarter and, uh, you know, and it's like, oh, Mil, uh, AVN, MILF of the Year, Veronica Avlov. Oh, I'm going to have to check this out. I don't know. Like, this, <laughs> right. like that, it's so beside, whereas, like, I feel like Oscars do do that. I don't know. Maybe it's because you can uh-huh. advertise. Uh, uh, but I, it's, it's, it's wild that they have, you know, the shadow industry of Hollywood has these shadow Hollywood awards that are even less meaningless uh, and probably more subjective than the Hollywood ones. Uh, I think the scene of Marky Mark doing coke is for the first time is hilarious because that is exactly how I do coke. Uh, which is why I've only done it like two or three times in my life. It's like, oh God, oh, it's in the back of my throat. Oh, I can't. It tastes like aspirin. Is it supposed to taste like aspirin? Oh God, I feel like I'm choking. Am I choking? Yeah, that's, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not, <laughs> I, I don't know how you ever push through that feeling to get to like, I guess the fun part, but yeah. Oh my God! That scene. Uh, I've always thought Coke is a pretty benign drug, but the uh, the scene with Julia, uh, Julianne Moore and uh, Heather Graham kind of made me rethink that. Or were they on something other than Coke? I don't know. Um, there are several drugs being snorted in this movie, so I couldn't tell you. But yeah, the the, the one that gets me is the the OD scenes, right? Like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I don't need to be convulsing and bleeding from the nose that Dude, i know bad. you you probably don't remember the early 80s but like that was like no. a real thing man like kids in college would just like drop dead dribbling the basketball and like there's like oh my god how tragic a 19 year old's heart exploded in a hardwood core how could something like this happen and then like it's also like a weird shadow divide in america where there's like all those people in america who are like oh well we're just no you're just snorting you know show snuffles full of coke in our nose every day that's why this is happening versus like the older sports writers who are just like this is a wild thing that's happening coke yeah coke yeah. coke really it's like when you see anything in the late 70s or early 80s it's just like man people were just doing mounds of coke yeah and i mean it's coming it's a lot of it is coming from from hollywood right like what are they making movies about what kind of lifestyle are they portraying and yeah the 80s through the hollywood lens are very coke fueled uh, I, I'm sure that that's true to some extent. I, I just kept thinking in this movie, like, because I talked about how the porn industry is sort of a microcosm of what goes on in Hollywood, I'm sure. But but why is it like that? Like, the shit you must see living up in the Hollywood Hills 
it, on probably a weekly basis has got to be crazy. Like Alfred Melita running out into the street with a shotgun and shooting at a Corvette. That's just like a Tuesday, right? I mean, when you have this much sex and drugs and power and money concentrated in one place, the the way that goes to people's heads, like you look at Dirk Diggler in this this movie, it just goes to his head, right? And 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 then the shame cycles, the insecurity, the the feeling of like, oh, is my time running out? Like all this stuff is just a powerful stew that makes people crazy. I think. And so is it, is there, when you is concentrate it, all it, these people in one place, it must be insane. Insane. I wonder, because I, I think of like, you know, Tiger Woods, you remember when, uh, you know, he fucked his nanny and his wife uh-huh. came at him and like, like is a big scaly chase, chased her down a driveway with a, uh, like a base, like what golf club. And I don't know, some mat mash uh-huh. in his window and he wrecked into his gate or something crazy like that. And like, I, that was reported like the salacious thing. But if you put that in like your average residential neighborhood or trailer park in America, it's like every Tuesday, like uh, somebody does something stupid and their mate runs out and smashes their window or strike. But like, you know, it's it's instead of uh, a 400 foot or 400 yard drive with the Beverly Hills cops showing up and TMZ being there. It's just Merle and Becky fighting. Right. So <laughs> sure. it's like, it, is it worse in Hollywood of or society? There's right? just a like, lot of cameras there and a lot of a lot of a lot of publicity hounds. I don't I don't know. A lot well, of well, those are both extremes. Uh, the people living in trailer parks usually don't have the best lives in the world. I, I maybe I'm just so used to living in like this middle bubble of like, mm. yeah, life's pretty good. It's not too bad, but it's not amazing. You know, I'm not doing coke every night and uh, <laughs> living on top of the world. But like, yeah, there there are extremes in society, and the, the, you're right. They kind of look a lot alike if you remove all the money and power. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of drugs happen in there too. Yeah, sure. true. And alcohol, the, the mm, most pernicious of them all. That's that's, you know, I I noticed that in the movie because right up off the bat, they make a point of like showing uh, somebody doing coke. I, I want to say it was Amber doing coke in the bedroom, but they show Burt Reynolds at the same time loading his glass full of ice and pouring a drink. And I'm like, OK, everybody's on drugs. Yeah. We don't really it's think of alcohol person. so much as a drug, but that is for sure a drug. It's a hundred percent. There's what did you think of the synchrony between that's another thing about this death theory. Everybody meets everybody on the same street the day. Like, isn't that yeah. why, you know, Marky Mark's running down like they're t- the, the uh, or no, he gets his ass kicked for by the, the, uh, the homophobic bros. Mm-hmm. Then. Heather Graham is getting humiliated by this high school douchebag and the limo driving right past. And then what was the other connection? Oh, Don Cheadle pulls in. Yeah. Yeah. Buck pulls into the, the, the donut place to get uh, donuts for him and his, his lovely wife. Um, yeah, this is a Paul Thomas Anderson. Had to be like a a, a sort of, um, borderline magical coincidence kind of thing. I think like Mm -hmm. you look at Magnolia and he's got the frogs raining from the sky, right? Like, right. That is completely out of the ordinary. It's extremely coincidental. And I think that is what he's doing here. He likes those moments. I gotta go listen to all of, are you getting to watch all these films again or listen to podcasts? Because like, I'm wondering like, how do I interpret this about, maybe this is just something that he does like this magical realism thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like he tells the audience nothing, everything is like, is it kind of like a litmus test on the audience? Like, well, if you believe that everything ended out fine in the last five minutes and you're yeah. just a fucking idiot, 
Mm-hmm. But I'm doing that as, but I don't, man, it's like, it's the ultimate way to stealth your point, I guess, because hmm, nobody I mean, else is picking up on it. When I look at the ending of this movie, the only thing I could think that he's trying to say is that, yes, these people are fucked up. Uh, a lot of them are from broken homes and bad situations, and they've had a lot of trials and tribulations, but in the end, they have each other. They're kind of a family, right? Like you look at the end of this movie and Jack has like taken everybody in. He's got everybody living with him. Roller girls skating around. Uh, Amber and him seem to be back together. It, not that I'm sure they were ever apart in this movie, even though she fell in love with Dirk at some point. Um, it, you know, Buck's got got his uh, stereo thing going. And and, and Dirk's right back to the, the porn shoots. It, it feels like they've got this happy little family of misfits. And yeah. Maybe that's what he's trying to say is that you can look down on these people and and you can you can say oh the, these people are less than but they they are still valid right like they still have each other and that's enough. Yeah, that's what you you said that look down on people that reminded me the the other thing I thought was interesting about the Burt Reynolds interviews because I. I there's real confliction about what he thought about this because there's his many infrequent statements where he talks about how much he didn't like the film and didn't like the role, didn't like its message, and didn't like Paul Thomas Anderson in particular. Uh-huh. Uh, up to like two and a half years ago, reaffirmed this in it, or no, two and a half years before he died, reaffirmed that. So I guess unless you know he recant on his deathbed, he kind of thinks Paul Thomas Anderson is a uh, as, as a smug young little prick and uh, Boogie Nights is an ugly film about embarrassing things in Hollywood. But then people roll out this other interview he did in 2011 where he's like, oh, no, it's all overblown. I don't uh, I don't bear him any. And I'm like, what the? But like I got this when I when I read one of the early like contemporary contemporaneous interviews with him, he mentioned about he knew people like that on set, like these porn stars out in Mm. Hollywood and they'd get on set and they'd try to wheedle and they were like obviously high on drugs and they'd miss their call or they were just doing this because they're getting banged by a producer and it just made everybody bummed out and uncomfortable because here's a person mm-hmm. who is being literally fucked on the promise of getting into a, something that's never going to happen, which is turning your uh, to a conventional Hollywood career. And it seems like I, I, we, in recent days we talked about I think it was George Clooney when we did a, an Ocean's Eleven's podcast, which God knows when that will come out. But like it used to be like this iron curtain between television and movies. Yeah. The one iron curtain that still remains is that between adult performer and uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote legitimate. Like I can't think of any time I've seen no matter how talented, no matter how smart, no matter how many college degrees they have, no matter how much this time they spent and behind the camera. I've never, ever, ever seen anyone in the adult film thing do something. And again, quote unquote legitimate Hollywood where they weren't playing a sex worker like yeah nina hartley can come as a, uh, sure. a, a respected porn star and be in his bit role and you get sasha gray to do uh what barry mm-hmm. sonnenfield uh mm-hmm. what or is that soderbergh but like you're never going to just see i don't know why i can't yeah, think of did, a porn star did, now uh, did jenny did jenny mccarthy cross like she's not popular in hollywood was right? she a did porn she crossover star? yeah yeah, she started I thought she playmate. posed and played well, but I think you can. But she was, I thought she was already famous for being on the man show. And like, then it's, it's like, like Pam Anderson can like be so. in Playboy as a centerfold 
but it's right, not right. you know like that i don't i think that's there's always a distinction between that and hell burt reynolds is in playgirl famously. i might be wrong about that i'm not like, okay. super up on jenny mccarthy but but then even uh, if you could name one example that would literally be the exception sure. that proves a rule that like even right. in 2022 where like the porn is like bigger than it ever has been also smaller than it ever has been in the burt you know mm-hmm. uh reynolds sense of the word uh but that's still like man that just never ever happens like you know, they'll maybe get a right podcast Maybe they'll get a serious radio yeah. FM radio show, but is it is it Adriana Chechik is trying to cross over right now? Is that huh? I know of her. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to say I want to say she's trying to do movies now. I'm not sure. There's a like, couple, yeah, and I say movies, legit movies. Yeah, there's always a couple of uh, I don't know about men, but like women that I've like in the time that I've watched, it's like, oh, these people because you read, you know, like see an interview and it's like, oh, they they did, you know, uh, didn't ever get on drugs and they spent all their money getting them through college and they've opened their own production company. And I've always like and like they seem to be pretty talented. And why couldn't they? But like, man, no one ever seems to do it. Yeah, Uh, it's it's wild how that hasn't changed in 40 years. I will say the worst part of having watched this movie is that now my internet search history includes is Mark Wahlberg's penis real? Uh, Did you think it was? Did you think it was possible that that was, that was a real possible, penis? It's possible, certainly. I've seen I've seen dongs that big. Yeah, uh, it's not out of the realms of human experience, but it's not apparently. Apparently, it's a prosthetic, and Marky Mark keeps it in a safe in his house. <laughs> Still to this day, a 50-year-old man hanging onto a prosthetic penis? I mean, why not? Why not? Because, like, any time that he has to drop his pants in public, he just slips it on just to keep the illusion. <laughs> sure, he keeps it in his pocket, yeah. Your star, he, your star, your shining star. I mean, I mean, um, if you're going to... If he needs to stuff his underwear, why wouldn't you just stuff it with an actual prosthetic penis, right? Forget bananas. Forget plums. You don't need any of that. Just a real prosthetic penis. Size to you? <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a, that scene. You said it makes the movie, and I, I kind of agree. Um, but it's such what? It, what is he saying there? I thought it's so fascinating because you you see, I, I the point I thought was like Marky Mark or Dirk has gotten to a point where he's a kind of a decent actor. He's got some kind of method thing where he's doing this role, and that's like he's like that's like a really good acting. But then when he gets up to like do his affirmations, I thought it was interesting that the. The pen- the point of view of that scene is his penis. <laughs> okay, talk me like Marky that Mark stands statement. up. His his face was where his penis is at. His yes. face goes off, and you can't even see it anymore. And it's this... against his dark suit. And this thing <laughs> opens like a stage, and his penis pops out. And mm-hmm. then you're the star. You're the star. You're the shining, shining star. Like kind of like completely subverts what I thought was him having this arc where. Yeah, he's a legitimate actor. He's just call, never going to make it out of the porn field with his penis still being the only reason why people watch him. I thought that was... I agree, but he's maybe learned a lesson or two. He might not go back to drugs. I don't know, because I said earlier, like, what has changed? I think the thing has changed is he's realized that his ego and the drugs got him into trouble, and maybe he can avoid that this time around. You're right, though. I, when I'm watching this this scene in particular, I'm thinking... Of the scene in Casino, I think it's Casino, where Robert De Niro is like the he owns the club and he's about to go out on stage and he's like pep talking himself in the same way. I think, boy, 
I, I don't remember that scene super well, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, there's and, a very similar scene with Robert De Niro um, in in Raging Bull. Oh, is it Raging Bull? He's uh, well. Is he? I thought it was Casino. Where where does he own the club? Does Jake LaMotta get the club at the end of Raging Bull? God, I can't well, remember. He, he's. I thought he was giving himself a speech. Like he's 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 practicing his like the the speech he does like at, at the clubs or something. Mm-hmm. But he also, I mean, also yeah. Robert De Niro. It's like you could say taxi cab, like this. Uh, you know, psyching taxi yourself driver. up for something. Taxi driver. Yeah. Yes, taxi driver. Sure. Uh, no, I definitely got those vibes, and I, I'm. I guess I want to be optimistic at the end of this movie and say that Dirk Diggler has it all figured out and he's, I guess, going to go on and, what, be Brock Landers ten more times? A darker, more violent, misogynistic Brock. Or or try and save the industry. I don't know. It it all feels doomed, right? He's still doing old-style pornography. He's he's doing the same shtick on video where that led the, and the, the and first cause time because yeah. like yeah there there's a couple more years where the Gonzo hasn't completely eroded right but you know a couple years hence like nobody's gonna buy this Brock Les- hammers stick I don't know uh, yeah, yeah so I, I don't know it doesn't seem like a super positive ending for him but in a lot of ways it does for the group. And yeah, they do. They do like this victory lap thing where they show everybody, right? Like Roller Girls back in school. It doesn't um, make sense unless they're all dead and <laughs> sure. they're in porn star heaven, and this is their happily ever after. Like Jack's Jack's palace is the gates of heaven, and this is where they ended up. Thomas Jane is really excellent in this movie. I I know we're <sighs> we're getting a little bit long here, but I I have to talk about him because I've. I really only discovered how great he is in The Expanse, which has been Same the last dude. few years. Uh, he's got a lot of range. You know, Miller is nothing like this character Todd that we see in the movie. But boy, when Todd like gets going, because you think Todd's just like some like douchebag college kid that's hanging around with with high school kids. Right. Mm. I get that kind of vibe from him. Yeah. Um, Plus, he's a dancer. So it's like a different oh, type right. of sex he worker. Works at the strip club, yeah, like, yeah. I don't think he does movies. He just dances. He's a Chippendales right. guy. Yeah. Um, but boy, once he like gets an opera sees an opportunity here, he just turns into this ball of psychotic nerves and and chaos. The way he laughs. Yeah. When the guy's like, So what yeah. do you got for me? And he just starts giggling and then like Psyching when he launched stage to do this thing, right? With so stage high. two yeah. of the plan, it's fucking mm-hmm. yeah. It's uh, he he is like I, I I'm with you. I did not know uh, who the fuck Thomas Jane was. I thought he was kind of like that shitty Punisher, and I'd seen mm-hmm. him in some kind of rom com. Uh, but I saw him on The Expanse, and I took him seriously. And then I've seen like, he was in like a I think it was called like 1892 or something. The Stephen King adaptation for Netflix. He's I've seen him in a bunch of stuff hmm. since, and he's consistently impressive. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why he's not a bit. I know he's got, you know, he's he's still got a lot of time. And I, it seems like he's doing a lot of directing and producing, too. But okay. it's one of those things where it's like, I'm surprised he's not a bigger star. Mm-hmm. 
All right, well, that'll wrap us things up for Boogie Nights. Next, we're going to be doing Insomnia. By the way, if you want to get in uh, on helping us select which movie that we do, we present our Patreon executive producers three movies, a slate of three movies for them to choose, uh, and they select it. Uh, this, we, uh, the options are Midnight Run, Dog Day Afternoon, and Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights won. If you're like, ah, oh, I'd rather heard Midnight Run or Dog Day Afternoon, well, become a Patreon uh, choose the executive producer level and you can help us choose which uh, prestige movie we do each and every week. Um, we are going to be taking a couple weeks off for Christmas. Uh, so there'll be some kind of light light release weeks uh, until January. But uh, we'll be back real soon with another prestige movie or hopefully TV show. I'm, I'm jonesing for some, for some prestige television. And I can't with a straight face say that The Last of Us with the fungus zombies is... It's, it's going to be prestige... No. But it's about zombies, man. Mm -hmm. Ah, it's the worst. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you real soon.